Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's podcast episode. I'm J.W. Marshall with MarketScale. Thanks for joining us. And today's guest is Jennifer Stringer. She is the founder and CEO of Square32 Consulting, and she works with uh, companies in the ed tech industry, which obviously relates directly to our topic every week of e-learning. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, JW. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And to set the baseline, if you could just uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your business and the clients that you work with, uh, that'll get us off to a a good start. And then uh, I've got some great questions for you. Excellent. That sounds great. Uh, So Square32 is a result of a need that I saw in the marketplace, uh, being a former educator uh, and a tech buyer in, in leadership in schools and districts. I found that there was a bit of a disconnect uh, in the way that companies were going to market. So the expertise and the knowledge that uh, myself and and a few of my other teammates gained in working in schools and knowing what's happening on the inside really led to opportunities to help companies understand that market uh, and build the marketing and communication strategy uh, that can help their companies grow and build brand awareness. Uh, so that that side of our business, or sorry, um, so Square32 has been around for about six years. And over that time, we've worked with companies in the K through 12 space, uh, in some in adult learning as well. Uh, so it's been a really exciting ride and a perfect Uh, Venn diagram um, for me to hit as far as my expertise in education, marketing, and marketing. Perfect. And so the obvious first question is, what has changed in 2020 due to the pandemic, in your opinion, Um, either kind of at a macro level or with, uh, you know, the client experiences you've had? Um, I know the answer is probably where to start, but uh, <laughs> pick pick somewhere and um, let's kind of dive into some of those paradigm shifts that we are uh, in the midst of right now. Sure. As you asked that question, I thought to myself, what hasn't changed? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and there are, there are some core principles, uh, but we're in the conversations that we're having and even in the way that our business is approaching our business development and the relationships that we have in the space, there's certainly a new push to switch and diversify the strategies that companies are using. Digital marketing, I think, especially in ed tech, has been a component uh, in this new version of how we're all living due to COVID, the cancellation of some really large events, uh, and unfortunately, some of those companies, some of those associations who are uh, putting on those events have decided to cancel them altogether or shut down uh, that branch of their offer. So the people who in the companies who are really finding success in going to conferences, capturing leads there, meeting people, that side of the business 
uh, dried up for a number of companies, uh, and us included. Going to conferences and networking uh, was always really valuable uh, for our relationships in that space. And it gave people uh, a bit of a hiccup, of course, in the beginning, as we were all trying to sort through what this meant. Uh, but those companies who had not diversified their approach to building business were caught a little off guard uh, and started to realize how quickly other people were ramping up their efforts. So that diversification of strategies is something that we're starting to have a lot of a lot of conversations about how to build this digital marketing aspect of your business to help balance out any shifts in the marketplace as everyone's kind of finding their footing. And one really big aspect of that is looking at the systems and tools you have in place. Uh, in some of the conversations we're hearing that sales uh, SDRs and people who were reaching out uh, via phone or email, they were having success pre-COVID. Now either people aren't at their desks <laughs> to answer the phone uh, or they're busy worrying about devices for their community and communicating with their communities. So that that's um, having that one solid or that one solid uh, outlet is great and it's a an engine that you can keep uh, keep growing and keep running but in this particular instance everyone really saw uh, that marketing wasn't so much of a nice to have anymore uh, really to be in the game you have to have digital marketing yeah and it seems like it's a parallel universe to online learning, uh, you know, was a, a supplement part of the mix before, and now it's come to the forefront. Uh, it seems like digital marketing in the same way has, has come to the forefront. Um, but it seems like a lot of the things I'm seeing out there, uh, in the digital marketing is really education. It, it's not necessarily a, an online learning course, but, um, it's, uh, videos, it's storytelling, it's, um, people helping people and helping kind of educate on what's happening or supporting educators. Uh, have you seen that shift as well to, to be kind of less salesy at this time, it being a crisis and more uh, more meat on the content uh, as far as digital marketing? Absolutely. Content marketing has always been a valuable asset in your marketing strategy, but content right now, as it relates to how people are discovering companies and how people are hearing about companies, uh, the storytelling, the content, really being up to date on keywords and your SEO, those are things that in ed tech and online learning, it wasn't uh, as forefront or in the forefront for a lot of companies. And I think that that's really, really increased uh, the amount of content that needs to be put out by companies, uh, but also smart content that really addresses needs. Uh, and you're exactly right. No one has time to be sold to. Uh, and even before COVID, uh, you know, that's that was a big component of educating your com your customers and adding value. Uh, but it's even more important. Um, in, in these times. 
Absolutely. And what are maybe some examples you've seen with some of your clients as far as their shifts um, in in recent months and maybe gearing up for 2021? Sure. Well, I'll actually give an example of a shift that we've made in our business. As I mentioned before, going to conferences uh, was a great source of business development for us, but also just connecting with other people in education, whether they be influencers or thought leaders uh, or people in the press, journalists who write about ed tech. So when those conferences ended and shifted to virtual, as you can probably imagine, and if you've ever, or if you've been to some virtual conferences, it is a little more difficult to connect one-on-one uh, with other attendees. So that was a strategy that wasn't working for us uh, at, when COVID struck. And so we started to plan our own online events. And one of the key components of that was not trying to build that from scratch, but reaching out to the other influencers that we already knew or even cold outreaching to someone uh, that we didn't uh, have a relationship with, uh, who were eager to come together and talk about uh, what's happening in education. And by partnering with those thought leaders, we were able to bring these events to a larger audience. So instead of it being just you know, for the people that we already knew and who already knew us, it's a way to provide, shine a spotlight on the thought leader themselves uh, and open up a new wider audience uh, for, in this case, for our company. That's great. And, and we've seen that as well. Anytime you can include others, it just makes for a better event, a better quality event, but it also extends the reach of uh, you know the audience that you can pull together. And, and it seems like we've seen the same trend where uh, the online conferences, as they've been attempted this year, um, in some way are, are kind of like the some of the online learning transitions that have happened in the spring and the summer. They're, it, it's just a whole new way of doing things, and uh, I, I feel for those that are trying to make that conversion from the organizations uh, that are converting their on-site conference to an online conference, it's difficult, uh, but at the same time, it's it's not been near as valuable. And a lot of ed tech vendors have uh, kind of said, you know, I think I'd be better off just doing my own one or two hour event uh, or partnering with a few others and having it being focused than just this sea of uh, sessions. And, you know, I think I talked with one company recently that had 20 sessions at this online virtual conference and only had anyone show up to two of the 20. And it was a handful of people. And so it's just uh, going to take some time to figure out <laughs> how to do that, um, and hopefully things get better with the pandemic in 2021, and uh, we can get back to some uh, live conferences. But I think it's been kind of a, a watershed moment for some of these companies to, to kind of take the power back and own their own uh, event or uh, you know podcast or uh, you know media channel, if you will, to say, hey, you know, we can do some of this on our own now. It's the technology is not uh, as expensive as it used to be. And we've got a lot to say in these times, for sure. We're not going to wait around for other people. Um, it's it's funny. There's a, kind of a new uh, line called a reverse PR agency, 
um, and that, uh, you know, if companies can build their own channels, they can get experts to come onto their channels, just like you described, um, you know, putting on events together versus, um, you know, traditional PR, which is getting someone from the company onto other people's channels. Um, and what's funny is it kind of comes full circle. Once a company starts doing some events and some thought leadership, then they also get invited to more external events and opportunities. So it's kind of a, a win-win. Um, and this is just a whole new thing that uh, a lot of companies, this would not have been on their radar a year ago. Um, is that some similar to what you're seeing in the market right now? Absolutely. The people who had a really strong brand presence online just kind of turned up the heat and so they did have that first mover advantage um, it could have you know been the ones that were actively seeking out opportunities to speak uh, or attending conferences but I really I love that uh, reverse PR uh, term because I think that's so important to keep that content engine running as we were mentioning before so much of purchasing now lies in the hands of the buyer. And I read a stat uh, the other day uh, for tech tools and, and SaaS tools, 70% of buyers, uh, they've, they've spent 70% of the buying journey uh, navigating that by themselves. So before they even reach out to companies, they've done research on uh, the tools specifically, the other options, uh, other ways to solve their problem. So that just is another illustration of how much the content and your voice in the space is really key to getting in front of audiences now uh, versus having the double booth that's uh, you know all set up and ha- handing out lots of swag. And, and definitely providing content that is valuable and helpful, even if it's not a direct uh, connection with your product. I think the market is really seeing value in that as well. Um, obviously, it needs to be in areas that you have expertise. It can't just be random. But um, again, not always having that kind of salesy uh, angle to something, but just saying, hey, here's uh, good information that the market needs to know, whether that's a new trend or some expertise. And then the market is smart enough to know uh, that you're company and your experts are the ones providing it and it's going to give them a good impression that you know when they're in the market for whatever products and services you have they're going to be more likely to trust your brand to reach out to you to do more research on your website um, and so ultimately it's it's a really good business practice but uh, I know it is tough uh, for a lot of organizations to to take the sales hat off or tone it down a little bit uh, as that's uh, a big change um, have you seen any of that kind of transition or pushback from some of your uh, clients as far as that that shift? When you find, when you work with companies, especially in education, many of the founders and especially the ones that, that we choose to work with are passionate about education. They've either come to it um, because of their, their hands-on experience in education uh, or sometimes in a nonprofit space they have a real passion for transforming what's happening in K-12 or even uh, in corporate training and e-learning and adult uh, learning. So in, in the beginning, you do have some people, I think, who may be hesitant 
to get out there uh, and provide value and position themselves as a as a leader. But once you kind of rip off that Band-Aid a bit uh, and start asking questions about what they really care about, then you can see this, you know, light come on uh, and they can get back to why it is they might have started that business instead of worrying about all of the things that you have to worry about in running a company and uh, numbers and metrics and hiring and uh, performance. This gives them an opportunity to help people understand the mission and the vision and the message uh, behind the company. So those are great opportunities, uh, you know, to provide value uh, and speak so passionately about what they do. Uh, one of the examples that comes to mind uh, is Bytes Media. And Bytes Media has partnered with ADL recently, uh, both on a curriculum and a set of resources for teachers, but also in a webinar series. And the ADL and the Bytes Media offer in the curriculum is really tied to some uh, issues that are happening surrounding the election uh, and other foundational issues that uh, come into play when you're talking about civics uh, and civic engagement. And in this webinar series, they've pulled together uh, Emily, who is one of the co-founders of Bytes Media and uh, one of the ADL education team members. And they've set these conversations uh, about how teachers can, in the classroom, navigate some of these controversial subjects that all students are thinking about, uh, and we'd be silly to think that they aren't, uh, but it giving them that value instead of coming across as a sales pitch or cold email, getting those people in front of an audience of educators talking about what they're passionate about and providing real actionable tips. Uh, that's been a huge success for us. That's amazing. And, and that brings up a good point too. Uh, in ed tech is, you know, the best sales or marketing in the world doesn't do any good if the students aren't getting that social emotional and some of those foundational, um, you know, things that are required before learning even begins. And so I've heard from a lot of uh, ed tech companies that um, a lot of their conversations this year have just started with, hey, how are you doing as a educator, as a administrator, as a person, um, before we even talk about, you know, how we can support you or help you or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I think it's been interesting that uh, there's been an outpouring in the ed tech industry. I feel like it's really come together um, as it had to um, during this pandemic. But uh, even some companies that have been really careful to not over insert themselves um, at certain times because they realize they had that, uh, you know, uh, social IQ to know that they would just be in the way when, uh, you know, schools are trying to get uh, devices in hands of students. That's a much higher, you know, a need than getting another curriculum software installed in the middle of this pandemic. And so I think it's been really great um, to see, I think, uh, everyone in the industry kind of uh, put aside their errors and, and just be people again and uh, be able to Zoom without uh, fancy backgrounds or makeup on and just, you know, be able to be real and um, and and really care for one another as as 
people again, uh, more than just uh, sales, sales dollars and numbers and that kind of thing. And I think one of the realizations uh, in when this all started, uh, especially, there were so many articles coming out about what it is really like to be a teacher right now, what it is really like to be a student, and what it is really like to be a parent. Uh, and I know we both share that role. Uh, and so it's it's definitely a trying time. And there's so many new educators, you know, because now the definition of an educator is really expanded uh, because not all kids are in front of classroom teachers five days a week. So you've got content and other ed tech tools um, that are leading those, um, those learning experiences. And as you just pointed out, the relationship is so key to that. Just because we can present content doesn't mean that we forget about the holistic uh, approach that education needs. And I, there is something, uh, there's a company called uh, BookNook that has built a reading platform um, that operates in a synchronous uh, manner with students and remotely. So teachers can lead lessons for students, but the other great aspect of this is that a paraprofessional or a parent has a ready-made reading lesson with cues uh, and with support that they need in order to step into that role. We know that teachers are overwhelmed. We know that there's not a lot of one-on-one things happening. So I think this is a really interesting model uh, to support not only the classroom teachers, but all of the people uh, in our country uh, who are now the quote unquote teachers. Absolutely. And, and that's a an audience that we don't talk enough about uh, is the, the parents in this pandemic have really um, stepped it up, um, you know, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I would say the vast majority have also ha- realized a newfound appreciation for the uh, teachers in, in the schools and, and what they deal with on a daily basis, you know, in the past and in the present. Um, and I think that's something that's going to have a long lasting um, effect um, is that this generation of parents right now um, is hopefully not going to forget uh, this time after it's passed and really continue to be involved, hopefully not at the level they are right now or they were in the spring, but more involved than they were, again, six or 12 months ago. And I think another population that is also overlooked a lot of times in these conversations is the the students and their well-being and what do they think. They know what's going on. And so I think it's really hopeful um, I've had some recent conversations around what's going to drive uh, this continued change, advancement, um, you know, transformation of education. And of course, educators, um, administrators, and, and the ed tech industry is going to play a huge hand in that. But um, there's a lot of people saying, you know, students and parents are going to have more and more of a voice and more ownership of the process. And they're going to have. Um, a real impact moving forward in policy in um, you know schools and districts as far as having this hands-on experience has really opened their eyes to 
um, what they like, what they don't like, what they think needs to change, and uh, you know, kind of a proactive, positive vision moving into you know the spring and into next school year. Um, and, and so I think that's really exciting um, to to see again so many silver linings coming out of this. I completely agree. Uh, there's a company uh, that it's Backpack Interactive. And they focus on ed tech UX and design. And their founder, a couple of months back, posted a blog that I thought was so interesting. They All of the testing and the UX design that they had done uh, previous to COVID involved teachers and administrators and students, uh, which is a, a very important voice to have at the table. But it hit them during COVID and partly as his experience as a parent, that the parent voice is very, very rarely represented uh, at the conversation at the table. And whether that be at school and how schools make decision about ed tech, uh, or in this case, how backpack designs the UX. Uh, so I think it's, you're right. It's a new shift that's really leveled the playing field and, and brought more voices to the table. Absolutely. Well, we've got time for one more question um, and, and kind of going along with the, the same theme. Um, recently, I had a conversation with uh, someone that uh, has really, as a parent, enjoyed some of these changes. They did a virtual um, meet the teacher night uh, that they said, you know, in the past, they would go to the school and kind of sit in the back and not really interact as much. But the the Zoom session or the live session was actually more interactive being online because they could kind of see the profiles of the other parents and, you know, make connections easier than uh, they actually could in person, which I thought was really interesting. Um, what other kind of silver linings or uh, outcomes do you are you hopeful for that will continue moving into uh, next year? There's been a really broad um, or there's been a new way, I think, that people are starting to define education. And when you looked at pre-COVID, there were those thought leaders out there talking about uh, some of the silos uh, and the structures that are built into our public education system. Uh, and they were already talking about how some of those things are really preventing uh, you know, squashing our creativity, um, our students' creativity and interest in learning and motivation. That that um, perspective is now open for, I think, more people to see. So students who are, you know, were in class and were able to keep up and were interested when the teacher was right in front of them and had great classroom management skills, we didn't think so much about student engagement, or we certainly didn't think about it in the right or in, in a, that way. Now the opportunity that has opened up for students and adults to learn about topics, any topic that they're interested in, um, sourdough bread baking early on um, in the pandemic was such a popular thing. Uh, and students who now can search YouTube for videos about any topic that they want. Uh, and so that that is a silver lining, I think, that we're starting to 
put the hands of the, these tools that we have that have really advanced what education is and what it can be. And we're putting students more at the core and at the center of their learning. And that to me is a huge uh, silver lining that uh, I, I hope continues uh, in the conversations. Absolutely. And and you're hearing story after story of that happening. So um, really exciting stuff. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Jennifer for uh, joining us in uh, today's episode. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was great having the conversation. I love to hear what other people are seeing in the market. Uh, and it's just such an interesting time. Uh, and everyone kind of has their own story and, and is navigating this uh, period uh, as best they can. But there's certainly value in sharing other people's journey and learning from them. Absolutely. And thank you to all of our listeners. Um, and thank you for uh, listening last week. If you haven't, check it out. Um, we uh, did an async uh, experiment, uh, reaching out to a lot of the fans of the podcast and experts, asking them some of the questions that we talk about uh, quite a bit here on Voices of E-Learning and got some really great responses. So thank you to everyone that participated in that experiment. We're definitely going to do it again. Um, and certainly if you have comments, questions, leave them on our social media Email me, jw.marshall at marketscale.com, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again, and uh, always keep learning.